Life Audio. How do we deal with difficult people? This is a great question to ask, and it's one that must be answered because all of us in our lives must deal with difficult people. That's just a part of life. Now, last week, we started this two-week series by establishing really a framework for understanding difficult people and how they impact our lives. But today, we're going to jump into some very practical application, some steps that you can take when dealing with difficult people. Thankfully, the Bible has a lot to say about this, and we're going to examine that in just one minute. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hello and welcome to the March or Die show today. Very glad to have you joining me and really looking forward to jumping into part two of this series on dealing with difficult people. We're going to get to that in just a second. Um, Really excited about this content. I believe it will be helpful. But before we get there, just a couple of things I'm going to ask of you. First of all, you're listening to this podcast somewhere. If you're listening and have not yet subscribed on your favorite podcast platform, please do that now. Don't wait. Don't think about it. Don't come back later. Do it now. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. That's the one you're listening from. Then leave a uh, a rating if there is a place for that. Leave me a comment. I would love to receive that from you. That would be fantastic. Do that now. And then Go and jump over to YouTube. You know you spend time on YouTube, probably too much time on YouTube. Uh, There's a lot of stuff we don't like about that platform, but there are a lot of good things there as well. One of the good things is my YouTube channel. You can find it. Go to YouTube, search for my name, Jeremy Stallnecker. You'll find my YouTube channel. This show is there. Other content that I produce and push out for you is there. So please check that out. Subscribe. Then hit the notification bell. So subscribe, hit the notification bell. You're subscribed. That content will be pushed directly to you. And uh, I I have that channel for one very simple purpose. You can scroll through everything that's there. Uh, I don't primarily put videos that are silly or simply for entertainment. Uh, The content that I put there is intended to be a help. I want you to have a place that you can receive good content, 
things that are applicable to you, things that you can apply to your life, and uh, really spiritual lessons, principles, all of that is there. And I know there are a lot of places you can look for that, uh, but I do my best to provide content that is helpful, that is available to you at no cost. But you need to subscribe so that you have access to that. You need to hit that notification bell. Please do that. That's a help to you. You can share that content out with others. It's a help to me. It allows me then to produce more content. So please check that out. And then finally, go to jeremystalnecker.com. jeremystalnecker.com. There you'll find links out to all of my socials. You'll find information about me, the organization that I work with, uh, podcasts I'm involved in. Also, my blog where I write about so many of the things we talk about on this show. And then finally, uh, there is an opportunity for you to sign up for my newsletter there. Please do that. Uh, again, the newsletter, once a week, Friday mornings, comes directly to your inbox. I know you get a lot of stuff in your inbox uh, that is not helpful, that you don't want. <laughs> I understand that. Uh, but this newsletter is intended to be right before the weekend, something that's encouraging, something that's helpful, perhaps a blog, uh, maybe a podcast that you missed, other content that I have found helpful that I want to share with you. So please check that out. I'd love to get that out to you, and uh, hopefully that will be a help and an encouragement. All right, jumping into our topic for today. Again, this is part two. If you didn't listen to part one, go and find that. But dealing with difficult people. We started last week by exploring this concept of dis difficult people. Uh, understanding, we will all deal with difficult people. If you're not dealing with a difficult person, maybe you are the difficult person. So that's a good thing to understand. We start there. We're all dealing with this. Not every difficult person in our life intends to hurt us. Some are trying to help us, uh, but we just don't take it right. We need to understand that as well. There are opportunities when dealing with difficult people. Uh, God has put those people in our lives, perhaps for a purpose. We need to view that as an opportunity. Understanding the Bible has given us a process that we can follow. And then realizing a lot of people are hurting. And that's why they then hurt us. So we need to always default to grace. We talked about that last week. Please check that episode out. But today I want to get into some practical uh, steps, some practical things that we can do in dealing with these folks in our lives. Uh, this could be someone in our work life. This could be someone in our personal life, uh, someone in those kind of extended relationships that we have. But when they're being difficult, and define that for yourself. Uh, they're preventing forward progress. They're keeping you from moving forward the way that really you believe God has called you to move forward, to live, to, to fulfill that purpose that he's placed on your life. These difficult people, how do we deal with them? The Bible has a lot to say about that. And uh, we're going to look at the passages that I mentioned to you last week, Philippians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to break some principles out from those. And uh, again, I think this will be a help to you. Before we do that, though, I want to give you kind of a note. All right, so this, this is the asterisk. <laughs> uh, note here it is uh, Matthew chapter 18 in the New Testament Matthew chapter 18 gives a very clear process for addressing sin in the context of what we would call the church the body of believers someone has sinned against another person the person who has been sinned against goes through a process outlined in Matthew chapter 18 is very helpful uh, that explains how to deal with people who have clearly violated Scripture, but they also have biblical, biblical authority over them. They're in the context of a congregation or a church setting. Uh, check that out. For the purpose of what we're discussing today, I'm not going to spend time there. All right, So that's not what I'm talking about today. Now, what I will talk about when we look at Philippians chapter 2 and Ephesians 4, 
we know those were written to churches, to church people, and to people who were believers. And yet, what's explained in those passages, certainly what's heavily implied in those passages, is that even in the context of a church family with Christian people, there can be friction. There can be conflict. This is different than what Matthew chapter 18 talks about, where there is sin. I'm not talking about those who have sinned against you in the context of a local church, where there's a process for addressing that and dealing with that. These are brothers and sisters in Christ, people who have a shared faith. There is common ground, and yet there's friction. How do we deal with that? Man, the Bible says so much about this, but I love these two passages of Scripture. Um, Three categories I want to give to you. The first one is this. How do we deal with difficult people? First of all, know who you are. Understand your identity. How we deal with people really traces back to what we think about ourselves. I've talked about identity on this podcast. I've written about it on my blog. You can go and find that if you'd like to. Uh, But understanding who you are is the starting point for dealing with difficult people in the right way. Number one, under identity, under uh, knowing who you are. Number one, live a reflection of who you are as Christ. Live a reflection of who you are as a reflection of Christ, as a follower of Christ, as a Christian. Ephesians 4.1 says it this way, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of, of the vocation wherewith you are called. As the Apostle Paul is beginning this discussion in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, look, you need to walk worthy, be a reflection of the vocation, uh, the path you've been called to. As a Christian, as a follower of Christ, there is a way that you should walk. Know your identity. Know who you are as a Christian in Christ. Understand that God has called you to something different, to be a follower of Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. And you need to live a reflection of that. So as you're dealing with other people, that's the starting point. I want to deal with other people in a way that reflects who I am as a follower of Jesus Christ. That takes me to the second thing. Understanding your identity should then lead me to this. I'm going to follow Christ's example. I'm going to live in a way that reflects who I am as a Christian, as a follower of Christ. And I'm going to do that by following Christ's example. Philippians 2 and verse 5 says it this way, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus provides an example of sacrificial living. We are followers of Christ. We need to live in a way that reflects that, reflects who we are as Christians as we follow the example of Jesus Christ. Number three, when it comes to understanding our identity, that's the starting point. We know who we are. That leads us to this. We need to find our place in the body. Now, you say, what does this have to do with dealing with difficult people? Well, (laughs) in dealing with difficult people, we need to be right first. We respond so emotionally. We respond even sometimes intellectually. This is what I need to do with them to get what I want. All of this should begin with knowing who you are. 
You are a follower of Jesus Christ. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to be a reflection of that. Well, what is that? What am I being a reflection of? The example set by Christ. And as we do that, we then need to find our place in the body. I love this. Ephesians 4.11 And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's the building up of the body of Christ. Verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. That's a lot of words. Here's what it means. When you are focused on doing what God has uniquely created you to do, you find your place in the body then the actions of others have far less impact on you. I think sometimes when dealing with difficult people, we get so wrapped around the axle because we're not focused on doing what God's called us to do. People who are focused on the job in front of them rarely stop to worry about what other people think or what other people are doing. Now, sometimes other people will stand in the way of God's forward progress in your life, and you need to address that. But when you understand, I am a Christian, I need to live a life that reflects that. I do that by following Christ's example, and in following Christ's example, I do what he's called me to. If that's your life, then you're going to be in the right frame of mind. You're going to have the right uh, frame of heart, if I can say it that way, to deal with difficult people because you're doing what God's called you to do living to be a reflection of who he is. So when dealing with difficult people, we need to begin with our identity. Who are we? Reflect that. Number two, we need to then maintain the right attitude. (laughs) Now you'll notice that my first two points have to do with you, with me. We need to be right. I need to know who I am and what it is that I'm trying to accomplish, what I'm trying to do. That's where it all begins. And then I need to have the right attitude going into this. Listen to me. When dealing with difficult people, don't rush in. Often we rush in, we bring a hammer, we want to flip over a table, we're angry, our emotions are driving us now, instead of us stepping back, asking what it is that God wants us to do in this situation with these people, and then making sure we have the right attitude. Philippians chapter 2 talks about the mind of Christ. I once had that explained to me as having the attitude of Christ. (laughs) We need to maintain the right attitude. Underneath that, that begins with realizing we should not be those who participate in strife and vainglory. I'll read this. Philippians 2 and verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Strife and vainglory. You know what it's talking about? It's talking about pride. So often the friction in our life is nothing more than a reflection of the pride in our life. The friction in our life becomes a reflection of the pride in our life. We get involved in strife for the purpose of protecting our own pride or maintaining or projecting our own glory. It's all about us. We need to have a right attitude. That right attitude says, I'm not going to do what I do for the sake of my own pride. That takes me to the second part under this point. We need to understand humility and patience. 
We're talking about the attitude as we deal with folks. This is before we have one conversation with them. We're dealing with them as Christians, following Christ, understanding our place in the body. We've got a mind that says, I'm not going to respond out of pride or for my own glory. I'm going to hang on to humility and patience. This is the opposite of strife and vainglory. This is the opposite of pride. This should be the attitude that guides us. Again, going back to our verse, Philippians 2, 3. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Lift up others better than yourself. That's an attitude of humility. It's also an attitude of patience. When we are impatient, that's because we are trying to get things done on our terms. When we're impatient with people, that's because they're not moving as fast or in the way that we would like for them to. Humility esteeming others better than ourselves, demands patience. Because it's not about us, we'll come back to that later. But here's the other thing we understand when it comes to attitude. Our goal is to seek the good of others. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4. I make this point a lot. But Philippians 2, 4 says it this way, Look not every man on his own things but every man also on the things of others. When it comes to attitude, (laughs) I need to push pride away. I need to be humble and patient. And I need to seek the benefit of others. Now, isn't this the opposite of how we treat most people in our lives? When we think even about dealing with difficult people, just saying those words, what I imagine is there's someone in my way, there's someone who's being difficult, someone who has not agreed with me, uh, someone who's making life hard on me, they're difficult, and I need to get them to do what I want them to do. But Philippians 2.4 says that we shouldn't look on our own things, but on the things of others. When dealing with difficult people, uh, we certainly have a goal, we have a direction, we have things that we're trying to accomplish because God has set those in front of us. But as we minister to others, as we seek to be a blessing to others, it's amazing how so often the difficult people are no longer difficult because we've removed the friction. The last point under our attitude is this, don't justify wrong. We need to have an attitude that says, I'm seeking their benefit. I'm not going to justify them doing wrong. So often when people have hurt us or done wrong to us, we use that as a reason to do wrong to them. Ephesians 4.26 says it this way, Be ye angry and sin not. There are reasons to be angry for sure, but that anger should not take us to a place of sin. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Those are strong words. But we need to have an attitude as we approach difficult people that says, hey, we're not going to hurt them for the sake of hurting them. We're not going to excuse our own bad behavior. We're not going to justify wrong. That takes us then to the action step, and we love the action step. We're going to get to that action step in just a minute. All right, so we have considered our identity who we are, a reflection of who we are in Christ as followers of Christ, finding our place in the body, serving, doing what God's called us to do. We have the right attitude. 
an attitude that says, I'm not going to project myself. This is not going to be a response in pride. I'm going to do what is good for that person in humility with patience. I'm not going to ever excuse my own bad behavior. I've got the right attitude leading into this. Well, then I need to take action. That's the last part. And it's funny how it's the last part because it's the part most of us begin with. (laughs) But it's the last part. We need to take action. There are some things we need to do. Here's what we need to do. First of all, find common ground. Seek unity. When people are being difficult, the first thing we need to do is seek unity. Philippians 2.2 says it this way. Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Ephesians 4.2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Before we go to the point of conflict, why don't we seek common ground? Find the things we have in common. When we do that, what we realize is that we feel like we have nothing in common. When we seek common ground, particularly as Christians, we realize we have far more in common than we don't. And we can, adi- we can deal with, we can adjust to those other things, but let's find common ground. Our common ground as Christians, our common ground as believers, our common ground as followers of the Word of God. Find common ground. The next thing, the next action step is this. Speak the truth, but do it in love. We need to speak the truth. That's very important. Sometimes to avoid conflict, we stay away from the truth. That's not what the Bible calls us to at all. In fact, we are to speak truth. But we're to do it in love, Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Jumping down to verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Speak the truth, but do it in love. What does that mean? Truth is truth. That is uh, statements of fact. It is without error. It's true. This is what's going on. This is um, how I feel. This is what I see. This is what I think. Speak the truth, but do it in love. Love is a great word. What is love? Love is doing what you do for the benefit of the one that you say you love. Speaking the truth in love means that I'm going to speak the truth, but I will never use truth as a weapon. Truth is not meant to hurt you, to undercut you, to be unkind to you. I speak the truth in an attempt to benefit you. It's love. I realize this is what you need. This is where you need to go. This is something we need to work on in terms of reconciliation. Truth is necessary, but I'm going to do it in love. It's with your best interest in mind, not to manipulate you, not to hurt you, uh, not to throw something at you, but speaking truth to help you with the right attitude and the right heart. Speaking the truth in love the last two are found in one verse when dealing with difficult people we need to be kind and we need to be forgiving verse 32 of ephesians 4 and be kind one to another tender-hearted forgiving one another even as god for christ's sake hath forgiven you That verse is one of the most powerful relationship verses in the Bible, if not the most powerful relationship in the Bible. The last thing you want to do when someone has hurt you or someone's being difficult is to be kind to them and to be forgiving when they've hurt you. 
And we can say, well, they don't deserve it. I love that the Bible doesn't just say be kind and forgiving. It says, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You see, the standard is God's love for you because of Jesus Christ's sacrificial death. We swing all the way back to our identity. We follow the example of Christ. That's what it means to be kind. And then to be forgiving. We deal with difficult people as God because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, has dealt and does deal with us. Difficult people will always be around. (laughs) They'll always be a part of our lives. You can't avoid that. But the Bible outlines such a clear path for dealing with difficult people. Again, remembering the things we talked about in our last episode, uh, understanding we need to have the right identity, knowing who we are. If, if we're not solid in who we are as Christians, who we are as followers of Christ, who we are as we serve um, in, in the context, in the body that God has given to us, then we're in trouble. We're not going to do it right. If we don't have the right attitude, an attitude that says it's not about me, it's about them, I'm not going to excuse my bad behavior because really I need to live in a way that edifies them, helps them, encourages them. If we have that attitude, we're going to do it right. If we don't, we're in trouble. But when our identity is right, our attitude is right, we can then take those action steps. Restore relationships. Develop, edify, build up, grow relationships, grow others. And if nothing else, then live in a way and respond in a way that gives glory to God. I said this in our last episode, and I'll say it one more time. Uh, The goal here, ultimately, is to respond in a way and to live in a way that reflects God, that lifts Him up, that glorifies Him, that pleases Him. Not every difficult person in your life will respond in a right way, even if you do everything right. You can't control what other people do, but you can control how you respond. And although you want restoration, you want to deal with the difficult situation that's been created, uh, all of those things are true. The number one goal is to live in a way that pleases God first. You do that by understanding your identity and having the right attitude and taking the right steps according to Scripture and find resolution second. When you do that, with that in mind, you remove so much pressure from your own heart. You take the pressure off your shoulders because you can't control them. You acknowledge that. And you do what God wants you to do following the example of Jesus Christ. Dealing with difficult people. Again, we talked about this in last in the last episode, but we discuss marching. <laughs> Instead of staying where we are and simply giving up and dying, we move forward in the face of difficulty, trials, traumas, obstacles, sometimes enemies, and often difficult people. And if we are unwilling to deal with difficult people or unable to do it in a way that reflects who we are as followers of Christ, then we will always have a hard time moving forward. Difficult people come into your life. What a wonderful opportunity to minister to them, 
to grow in your relationship with Christ, and ultimately to give glory to God. I hope those principles are helpful to you. Take some time. Go back. Look at those passages. Uh, I wrote about this. You can find it on my blog over at jeremystonlicker.com. Uh, look for the blog section. There's a tab off to the right on the home page, and you'll find a blog that outlines all of this. Take some time. Look at that. Uh, share it out with others. Again, I think this can be a great help to you. As we conclude today, I do want to remind you to go and check out the other great podcasts on Life Audio, lifeaudio.com. You can find my show, of course, other great episodes of great shows with great hosts. And uh, I love the platform there, shows dealing with parenting, dealing with marriage, dealing with Bible study. Um, as we talked about last week, addiction, so many great uh, shows there, great hosts, tremendous content. Please go and check them out. Thankful for Life Audio, lifeaudio.com. I will remind you, as I do every week before I sign off, when life seems to be blowing up around you, and sometimes it does, sometimes it's because of difficult people. When that happens, and it will happen, you only have two choices. Two, <laughs> you can stay where you are and die. You can do that. You can give up. You can stay where you are and die if you choose that. Or, better yet, you can put one foot in front of the other and march. Thankfully, the choice is always yours. Appreciate you joining me. Look forward to talking to you next week. Many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. We've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Hey, Ted, what do you want to do today? Well, Ashley, I've always got uh, work to do, naps to take, but I have a better idea. How about we invite everyone to listen to the Team Us podcast? I love that idea. Let's do it right now. Hi, everyone. We're Ted and Ashley Slater, and we'd love for you to join us as we talk about teamwork in marriage. We share how grace, commitment, and cooperation can help couples live the everyday moments of marriage together. To listen, go to lifeaudio.com and search for Team Us.